So if you could be here around nine, that would be great. Okay. Well, listen here. Hello, I'm Miss H, and today Mr. O and I will be discussing episode two of season eight, Life After Lockup. On this episode, Louie meets Melissa's family, Key Rock officially proses to Brittany, Chance tries to get Taylor's future brother-in-law invested in his next get-rich-quick scheme, Quaylen mediates his mom and Chevelle's mom's argument, Lindsay and Blaine prepare for another kid in the house, and Michael and Justine have a sleepover with all of their collective children. If you like what you hear, please give us a rating. And if you watch 90 Day Fiance, check out our other podcast channel, 90 Day MK, Teachable Moments with Miss H and Mr. O. Thanks and enjoy. Hello, Miss H. Hello, Mr. O. How are things going with you? Kind of crazy right now. So I apologize in advance. I've been gone over the weekend, so I barely had time to watch half of this episode so uh if you uh wa- listen to our 90 day fiance we'll be a day late because i still need to watch more tv yeah it's uh blame airlines they're always always yes. late nowadays right right you have the best of intentions of getting home at a reasonable time so you can get all your crap done and then they're delayed by a few hours so yes i mean i, I don't know the last time i went on a flight that didn't get delayed or changed or Something happened to it that was not the time that I picked originally. It's it's yeah. pretty nuts out there. Yeah, it's getting kind of crazy. I mean, my flight out there was uh like about half an hour late, but it wasn't officially delayed. Um, mm-hmm. And that was pretty decent, I thought. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of pretty decent, uh, let's jump into a new couple this week. And that was Michael and Justine. So Justine is asking the kids if they have any baby names they like, because if you recall, they're pregnant and they come up with Menorah, Diamond and Sprinkles, which Michael deems all stripper names. Yes, Menorah. I always think I know. Of when I go, there's the, yes, the Jewish candle holder. That's right. a stripper name. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Right. So they're taking a family trip to Rhode Island so Michael can see his kids. He hasn't seen them in five months since he's been released. Michael is feeling guilty about not seeing them more often, but he says it's because he had to parole to Pennsylvania. But those restrictions are lifting soon, so he'll be able to move. It's just that they're planning on moving to Vegas and haven't told his children about it yet. Justine asks her kids not to say anything to Michael's kids. Justine's daughter, Kylie, got accepted into UNLV. So uh, Justine says the move is for the entire family, not just for Michael's music. Michael talks about how he was forced to watch his children grow up through pictures while he was in prison. Michael's oldest is 16 now, uh, and he just wants to get back to where he was when she was 10 and things were good. Michael is feeling bad that he's with Justine's kids and doesn't want his kids to wonder why he can't be there for them, especially since he does have custody of his one son, Michael Jr., who's also living with them. He appreciates his sister, Anne, who has done a lot to keep the memory of Michael alive for the rest of the kids. His oldest daughter, Melody, admits to feeling jealous because he's living with another family. All seven kids are piling in the van or clown cars, Justine puts it, as they head to the hotel. Justine is hoping that they have the mental capacity to handle all these kids at once. They're all wearing matching pajamas, as is their style, right? So weird. As they eat pizza and eventually go to sleep. 
Kylie and Melody, uh, the oldest for uh, Michael and Justine's respective kids, are uh, bonding over makeup and boys. They are gossiping and Kylie lets it slip that they're moving to Vegas. Melody is surprised and immediately looks unhappy. She thinks there's so much time to make up for with her dad. Melody says it hurts that he's not closer physically and why he couldn't just tell them about the move to Vegas. Melody feels like big decisions are being made and she's not being included in them. Mm-hmm. All right. So they've told their kids, which kids are notorious for not being able to keep secrets, right? So right. what is the purpose of them like kind of, you know, even keeping it from his kids? Um, I mean, they're trying to find the right way to tell his kids that he's more or less abandoning them. Um, mm. I don't know how else to put it. Abandoning like, them more? <laughs> abandoning them again. Yeah. Like, right. It's so – yeah, it, it's more or less – it's kind of like one of those things that they don't want to say anything and they don't want to say anything yet because they're working – they're looking for just like this magic way of being able to explain it and being able to say it where it's not going to be incredibly hurtful because like, you know, it, the, the one – the daughter, she was like – Melody she feels like yeah. she's Melody feels like she's oh I'm just being left behind I'm being forgotten right. he's going to start his new family and I can't blame her because that's what he's doing. Yeah, like, you know what I don't understand is why people and I mean they are not the only people like in the world forget the show that do that. They put off telling something that's difficult to try find the perfect way. There is no perfect way. But to me mm-hmm. it's almost like I would rather Kind of to soften the blow, like, no, way in advance, right? So when they're thinking about moving farther away, like, just be like, hey, we've been thinking about it. Because I think it does give people time to really wrap their heads around these major changes and almost kind of – and I feel like people who – and I have suffered from anxiety. People who suffer from anxiety, I feel like it's better for them to kind of know so they can kind of like play the scenarios out in their head of like their worst case scenario. And it's almost like they have to talk themselves out of that. And it takes Mm -hmm. time. Yeah, I mean I definitely think it's – it's – for everything to happen all at once, to be like, mm-hmm. by the way, we're moving, oh, to somebody, someplace thousands of miles away right. uh, when, like next week. Like that's all like hard, right? right? It's too yeah. much all at once. But I think you're right and that the best way to tell someone is to keep them in the loop the whole time when you're like, oh, right. man, what they know that things aren't going so great for you in Pennsylvania and you're kind of looking for other opportunities and, oh, we did go out to Vegas and, you know, that worked. Like then they can kind of see it coming. Right? Yes. It's, they're it's not, not only that the news is hard, it's that they're surprised by it. Yeah. Right? It's the surprise that makes it worse. Like people don't – people – and we put that before – we said that before with surprises, right? The surprise should be for the other person. But right. like even in that, people don't like surprises. They don't like being surprised unless it's right. something that's unobjectively – you know, un, 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 good. unambivalously good. And good. Yeah, yeah, good and fun. Right? And the – we're moving to Vegas, not so good and fun. Like, right. I feel like Melody kind of may have saw the writing on the wall with, um, you know, with with her going to UNLV, which is like one yeah. of those things too that, I don't know, it bothers me tremendously the way, well, you know, she got into UNLV, so that's just a, another good reason to move out there. It's like, no, but she only went to UNLV because you were moving out there. Exactly, it's not, right. Like, it's not like 
she has happened to get into UNLV and you're like, well, of all the places, maybe we'll just go where she's going. to No, she applied to UNLV because you were moving to Vegas. Right, right. And I don't understand I, – I, I can't get my head around it how it's – oh, it's – you know, it's just the best financial thing for us to do. I'm like, how? Nobody right. has a job. Nobody has like a <laughs> – like everybody I've ever known that moved – that did a big move like cross country like that mm-hmm. or, you know, halfway across a country. It was because, oh, yeah, dad got like this new job and it makes a ton of money, like a lot more money and like he just couldn't turn it down. So I guess we're going to go – that's everybody I've known who's done this. Nobody just right, goes out because and be there's like, usually some kind of relocation uh, yeah. like expenses that are paid. Relocation expenses that are paid and it's like, well, yeah, if you're if I'm going to – if I was going to move away from my children, right, mm. I would need huge financial security, huge financial guarantees on top of just that that thing. It would be like, like yeah, if you're going to ask me how much would I have to pay to live in Nevada when my kids are on the East Coast, it's mm. close to a million a year that I'll have to be guaranteed before I'd even consider it. Like right. and this, this dude is just like, whoa, I really care about my kids. But – I'm going to go out to Vegas with no job because I have a rap career where 1,200 people listen to me and I think this guy might be able to get me a gig. Like, what is that? That's bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely kind of questionable decision, especially since he pretty much made Justine quit her job. Right. Yes, that's right. I forgot about that. And so it's like – and part of the thing I just – I can't get my head around for so many of these people is – if you just ask them, and it's just very, very different from my personality, and we see it mm-hmm. with other people too that we'll get to later. Like if you were like, hey, just imagine the worst thing you could ever imagine doing with the rest of your life. And they're like having a 95 job. Like that's it. That's the worst. If I had to go to work <laughs> every day, fuck that. I'm done. I'm never going to do that. Like they're just – they structure their lives around never getting a job, uh-huh. which is to me just absurd. Like that's just ridiculous. It's just what you do. You just get a job. You need a yeah. job. Just get a job. Yeah. I definitely feel like we are entering a different generation where gig work and not having like that traditional job is increasing, um, sure. growing in pro- popularity. It's something that I can't quite wrap my head around, um, but I think it's kind of like my dad. Like my dad can't wrap his head around the fact that like even for example my sister she's really only ever had a job for at most two years and she just kind of hops around from company company like my dad comes from a generation where people stay at a company for life they have like your 25 year whatever gold pen or something Uh your 50 year you know something gold watch like you know, so it's just – it's interesting how workplace and workplace culture does evolve over yeah. time. I mean I think I think that for the generation, I think a lot of people would like to have study jobs if they could, but it's right. the gig work is what's available, right? Yeah. And I think that kind of goes with a lot of people with their company loyalty. I mean I'm – I mean my family, most of the people in my family – Work for the government because that's the one company that's not going to go out of business. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Like, so we get that mindset too. All right, so um, let's talk about they weren't in it for very long, and that was Brittany and Key Rock. So we start off with them where we left off before. They're skydiving. They're in the plane up in the air, and Brittany can't even bring herself to look outside. So his family is already waiting at the landing zone, and they have signs like for the proposal, like, will you marry me when they're done? 
So she jumps out first and the tandem guys like film all the way down, although they don't do a great job filming. I thought like yeah. it's, it's very shaky when they come out. Like usually I think those guys, they, they film everybody when they jump, right? That's like part of the job yeah. is filming with a selfie stick and a GoPro. But anyway, so she seems pretty freaked out. She's There's lots of screaming on the way down. Like even the people on the ground are like, oh, yeah, that's her. I, 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 I can hear her. There's some <laughs> screaming. Oh, there she is. So uh, after they both land safety, Brittany is just in tears. And after she lands, because they kind of pass, he, he went past and landed first. Uh, you know, the, he gets down on one knee and says yes. And of course, like, really the reason she was crying is because she already saw the signs that said, will you marry me <laughs> before he got down on one knee. So she says yes. And there's more crying and more screaming. And then Brittany w- just wishes, she says in an interview, she just wishes her grandmother was here um, to, to share in it. And Key Rock was like, oh, she already knows. I, I called and got her blessing. So now she's really happy about that. They call the abuela and show her the ring and everything is yeah, – they're engaged now. Yay. Um <laughs> So I don't even know like what we talk about in that. It was just very much like, yay, engaged. So I mean, is that? I mean, better? he I mean, did is it, it that much different. Like, yeah, I was gonna say he did all the right stuff, except for the whole like making her prove her love, right? But you know, I don't know. Like calling, I think for the blessing was really helpful. But yeah, there's not a whole lot to say. It wasn't really controversial, except for the stuff that we talked about last week, like. Yeah. 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 I mean, I definitely – people maybe need to think about the signs a little bit more. This is not the first time oh, we've yeah. seen the signs not work out. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking like Evelyn. 90 day, yeah. So yeah. 90 day. It was like, what do those signs say? What? Right. I can't it was read too them. far <laughs> away. <You> couldn't – yeah. <laughs> yeah. So maybe have them turn around the signs, wait till he gets down on one knee, like right. play, play maybe out a little bit better. Yeah. Because you really do, especially when you're really far away, you need the signs extra big. Like, if you've ever seen a freeway sign up close, like, it's oh, kind yeah. of insane, like, how large it is, because it doesn't seem that way, because you're just going by real fast. and Oh, yeah. yeah, they're huge. Yeah, they are. Um, yeah, like, traffic lights, too, same deal. Like, it's yeah. like, it's, it's everything on the road big. Yeah. is big, like, and it's deceptively big because right. you're going so fast. And yes, it's like, and if it, it was, a, it was the size you think it is, it, then you would be going back so fast that it'd be like, what? I didn't, whoa, that was, that was crazy. Yeah. But I mean, actually engaged now, that's pretty much all we got from them. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on to Louie and Melissa. So back at Melissa's house, Louie is trying to make breakfast for, for Melissa, who is giving him a hard time about him making breakfast for his mom every morning. Louis is still mad because they fought and slept in separate rooms the night before, and he felt like he was just trying to surprise her. Melissa actually apologizes and says, you know, she should have been nicer. She admits that he went through a lot of trouble to surprise her. Louis asks if she wants him to move up there to New Jersey, and Melissa says it's up for debate. She just isn't sure because they were on a break and he hasn't met her family yet. Louis says, well, that's the next step. And Melissa says that they will meet the family at the barbecue later that day. Louis, meanwhile, is annoyed that Melissa isn't actually eating the breakfast he made her. Melissa does compliment his eggs. She says it's hard for her to stay mad at him when they're in person. She says she's a sucker for him and she just falls for him every time. On the way to the barbecue, Melissa didn't tell her family Louis was coming, so she's a little nervous. Louis is asking what he should uh, call her dad. Uh, And she says, Ronald, they walk up and Ronald is sniping that there's garbage around. If there's garbage around, his daughter will bring it home. Ronald weirdly has a baseball bat near him for no reason. 
Uh, Louis shakes hands with everyone, and Melissa's sisters say that she thought they were on a break. Ronald then says that Melissa hates surprises as they question who is funding this trip. Melissa says that she's not sending him any more money. Louis wants to prove to these people that they're wrong, despite the fact that they're all talking shit to his face and like badgering him with so many questions. Louis is trying to assure everyone that he will stay sober as his mom calls him. Uh, Donna is asking him if everyone is being nice as the family all jumps in to say that Louis is the loser and Melissa is the breadwinner. Donna defends Louis as a gentleman. Ronald, Ronald talks about the men Melissa has previously dated, including a drunk who liked to fight. Melissa says that she's into bad boys, and maybe that's because Ronald was a player himself in his youth. Ronald asks to talk to Louis alone, and he brings his bat. Ronald says that the choice is up to Melissa, so he doesn't want Melissa to do all the providing. That's all he's really worried about. He does finish the conversation by threatening Louie with his bat if he ever hurts Melissa. Melissa tells her sisters that Donna is just too much and she would probably move to New Jersey if Louie moved there too. She's wondering if she's been pushing Louie too hard and not considering that he's been in prison for 10 years. Melissa feels turned on by how Louie handled uh, all the family members at the barbecue. She says that he just took all the questions and it was just so manly. Melissa says that she has a surprise for him as she takes him to their high school. Louis thinks that she just needs to get over this high school yeah. shit. So I'm glad uh -huh. that he also recognizes that it's freaking weird, right? So Louis just tells her that high school was a long time ago, but he wants to move forward and he doesn't want to be on a break. Louis says breaks are so you can fool around on the side. Louis says that he will make sure his mother will butt out. Melissa talks about marriage and says that she will make sure her family supports her if she chooses him. They are both smiling. Melissa says that she wants to make out with him on the bleachers because she's always wanted that. She says that she wants to fulfill her fantasy of having sex with Louie in the dugout. She said the only way this would be better if she was wearing his varsity jacket. We close on them uncomfortably trying to get in position on a bench in the dugout. All yeah, right. there's certain things you can do when you're 18 that once you're 40 is not is, really it's not go, challenging. It sure, go that way. Yes. Sure. <laughs> okay, so what do you think about Melissa's like obsession with this high school image of Louis and fulfilling her fantasy? Because I will say, I'll note that as soon as she got to the high school, it was like a totally different Melissa we've been dealing with so far this season. Yeah, I mean, if if you're and she's not. White 40, she's like 39 or something. Yeah, she like was that. a couple years younger than him. So I think he's like 41 and she's like 39. Around 40, right? Yeah. We'll, we'll just use that as, as, a, as a ballpark. Like, I feel like if you're 40 and you're still hung up sexually on high school, there probably ought to be some therapy that you're doing. Like, God, I know, come right? to terms with that because that is weird. Like, that is extraordinarily weird. And like, Probably evidence that she shouldn't be near the high school. Like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, she probably shouldn't be near the high school anyway, considering her, you know, primary goal is like public indecency. Right in broad daylight, yeah. like that. It's and it's not much of like a dugout. Dugout. It is like just no. on the ground. They're just gonna get. She, even if her 
playing with the fruition. Like there's going to be splinters involved. That bench oh, was old and wooden. Like oh, it's gosh. not well, good. Well, for Louie, she doesn't ways. care. She was on top. Yeah, but she's going to have to – there's going to be leverage. Her knees are going to be somewhere. Like <laughs> it's not It's not going to be pleasant. Like it's going to be weird. It's going to be awkward. There's going to be – it's dirty. It's – ugh. Like, but it's the whole thing. People had sex in the dugout in high school because they couldn't have sex at home. Right, like, right. It's not a it, – it, so when it's one of those things that happens in high school and sure people do that. People have sex in cars and stuff in high school. Yeah, it's because, not ideal. Because the better options were off limits. She <laughs> has her own bed, like her own place where they can be comfortable and it can be clean and have a cushion and no splinters and th- there we go. But – yeah, the high school thing is just really, really, really disturbing. And she keeps um, on playing into it, you know, like with the cheerleader outfit. And I even think it's yeah. even more ridiculous to me because I definitely get the impression that she was never a cheerleader. So it was like yes, in agreed. her fantasy, she's picturing herself as a high school cheerleader, like sexing it up with – the jock and the most popular guy at school, you know? And it's like she keeps on right. trying to play this fantasy and it's just – it's so ridiculous at this point. Yeah. I mean and I wonder how much of it has to do with as much as much as it turns both of us off and disgusts yes, – Yes, because it's really, cringy. Both of us is because we have spent our working lives in a high school <laughs> yeah, and we're like, this That's is just not sad. sexy. Yeah. This is it's just sad. sad. Yeah. Like, have you seen high schoolers recently? They're Gosh. not attractive. Like, like <laughs> what are you doing? They're children. This is right, weird. Right, right. Like, and so, and so it goes that. Now, I mean, I think a lot of it is for show as mm-hmm. was most of the weird, like macho show that her family put on yeah because i feel like they claimed they didn't know he was coming but ronald was i don't think ronald just randomly has a bat near him all the time why why would ronald right do that? right good production be like why don't you keep this over here i don't know maybe he needs a bat to get all those i don't know what kind of animal has been eating their grass oh, some sort of ground <laughs> infection but their whole yard was just like Tiny patches of grass with just brown dirt everywhere. It's like, oh no, this is you let people film here. This is okay. <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah, the whole I'm gonna go. Have you heard? Have you heard her? Blah blah blah. The only thing that maybe wasn't a show that like Ronald was really into was when Melissa said he was a player back in his day. And he was oh like, yeah, well, mm-hmm. he was like, hmm, yes, why, yes, I was, and I was just like, <laughs> yeah. oh god, all right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so the whole. Yeah, the, I mean the bad boys and they just – and the thing was is like I was really turned on. i really into bad boys but I was also really turned on at how submissive and quiet my boyfriend was when my dad was berating him about being a loser. Like, oh, God. Like, That's what I was for you? Okay. I can find you a lot of guys that won't say anything when people call them losers. There's a whole world full of them. Oh, goodness. All right. So let's go on to – I want to talk about Lindsay and Blaine. So uh, we're in. We're back in Mississippi. So that means we have another season with Lindsay and Blaine again. They weren't in the last episode. So at this point, Lindsay is eighteen months out, months out of prison. I think this is after her second stint, like post Scott. Yeah, she was back in prison, and now she's back out for eighteen months. So Blaine is trying to get the uh, room ready for Miley, who is of course Lindsay's daughter. So Blaine's eight year old son Kagan also lives with them now in the house that they bought. I think it's the house they bought last season. And she says that she's improved in every phase of her life. And it's good enough, an improvement of her life now that Miley is – she's ready for Miley to move in. 
So then we switch over to Miley with grandma packing up the car for the move. So she's now 13 and is a little worried that Lindsay has never really been a for real mom for her. Like they've been in contact. Um, you know, they've been talking to each other, but she's always been away in prison with Scott, you know, all this stuff going on. And she's never actually had a time where she remembers living with her. So grandma has been functionally raising her this whole time. So Blaine, sa- Blaine says that he doesn't really have much of a relationship with Kagan's mother, but she wasn't able to take care of him. And he was also living with his grandmother. So they sit down and talk about what they should do next in life now that they, you know, are living together with kids. Yeah. A little family. So like, yeah, a wedding maybe. So Blaine says that he wants to marry her, but, you know, there's too many times and we get a flashback of all the times that she's just like, that's it. I'm leaving. I'm moving out. Like mm-hmm. He's like, well, I can't marry somebody who's always threatening to move out. So not really, not, not really sure about that yet. So we switch back to the drive and Grandma and Miley are talking about how even though – uh, they made it a point to keep Miley in contact with Lindsay. It's really a, a big change, talk, you know, being with her all day, every day, that Miley doesn't know if she's ready for. So Miley comes in to see her very pink room complete. There's a pink pillow, a pink pill pillow, like it's a pillow that looks like a pill, which she, uh, Probably not want, in that uh, house, a druggy house. Right, Come on now. A, 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 two drug addicts who live in the house. Let's yeah. stay away from the pill decor, right? There's, but there's pink curtains and what I had to rewind because I thought it was like a big pink Trump sign. And I was like, God. that's a choice. But it was actually like – it looked like a Trump sign, but it said Swift on it, like Taylor Swift. Oh, uh, like, okay. okay. All right. So Lindsay is very proud of what she's put together and Miley says she likes it. So Blaine is a little concerned that having two kids in the house might be more stress than Lindsay can handle, which could drive her back to some of her own habits. So Lindsay and her mom stepped into the kitchen to have some coffee and she says it's going to be adjustment for her to be in mom mode because – or actually, no, it's going to be an adjustment for grandma to not be in mom mode mm. because she's been raising a child for like 40 years now. Yeah. So Lindsay tells us that something that we – I think we may have known before, but I didn't remember that this that – the person she refers to as her mom isn't actually a blood relation to her, but it's actually her step-grandmother. No, like I her, didn't know that. Yeah, so her grandfather married her. And then things happen with her mother, things happen with the grandfather, and she's the one who ended up taking Lindsay in. Since, and that was when she was like six months old. So oh it's still been gosh, her whole life. Oh my gosh, this poor lady has been raising all these children that are not hers. Yes. Yeah. So props to her. Mm-hmm. So um, so she knows that it's the right choice uh, for, for, for Miley to come and live with her with her biological mother, but it's still hard for her now. So Lindsay talks about her sobriety at this point. So she says she's been sober for about two years. Um, and then we see some of the flashbacks to kind of the thing that ended her last stint of sobriety, which was living with Scott. And we, you know, she says she has PTSD from it. And we <laughs> see the flashback of her carving like fuck you into his desk. Yeah. So Lindsay says that she is um, taking taking care of Miley. Like she doesn't know exactly what she's what she's doing now. It's going to be a trial and error thing. She just has to make sure that Miley doesn't do anything stupid, which since we're talking about teenage girls is not really something that's as – it's easier said than done. Like, yeah, right. Sure this teenage, teenager doesn't do anything stupid. Like, oh my, good luck with that. I know, especially because she looks so adult. And yeah, I think she, does. she also yep. – um, you know, is already, I mean, she's 13, but she's already doing like beauty pageants. And I'm not, I don't think there's anything wrong with beauty beauty pageants, but I think it gives you more of an adult look and you're mm. going to attract 
older boy attention and older yeah. boy attention. They think they're going to be able to take advantage of that age difference. Oh, and, for sure. Yeah. For sure. And depending yeah. on how it goes down, it's like, oh, gosh, you got poor step grandma taking care of another kid. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely always always a red flag for the boys that are going after the girls that are like way younger. Than yeah. Them, right. Right. And that, that, that's what they're doing. They're doing it to take advantage, to have like a to have an upper hand, to have a power in the relationship. So mm-hmm. that's always that's always a thing. If we get yeah. So I mean, boys is one level of thing, but like it is. I feel like it is difficult to you know kind of parent in the don't make the same mistakes I did. Oh, um, sure. Kind of my set, right? Yeah. Um, because at the end of the day, they know you did those things and they kind of associate those things as these are things that are in the realm of possible behavior choices that I have, right? Well, I think one advantage is that Lindsay went to prison, right? It wasn't just like, a, oh, I, you know, like did drugs and drank and, you know, had sex and, you know, whatever. When I was your age, it was like, well, these things all led to prison, right? And I'm I'm sure that in itself is a cautionary tale for Miley. Like, I don't think... She probably wants the fun part, but I don't think she wants the prison well, part. And that's that's that depends on that that I I see that very kind of from kid to kid from amongst at least amongst the, the students I teach who do have parents in prison sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. Is that some of them are like, wow, no, I'm never no, I'm not doing mm-hmm. that. I'm going to pick a different path. I'm going to get away. But a lot of them are just like, well, that's just what happens when you grow up. You go to prison, like yeah. so. I might as well make the most of it. Like yeah, I'm definitely my dad going to and my mom, dad point. did it. No big deal. They survived. <laughs> yeah, They're exactly. all right. Like, that's just that's just yeah. Like like when I talk when I talk to my children about going to college, they that, that's the kind of thing. Well, and then I went to prison, and then like well, that's just part of <laughs> sure. being an adult. It's going to prison, right? Right. And so right. they're not worried about going to prison because they kind of in their heads are already like, well, at some point I'm going to prison, obviously. So like I might as well do the, have the fun. I might as well make mm-hmm. it a fun way um, fun to have a fun time on my way to prison yeah it'd be interesting to hear how grandma frames things right and because you know sure. it's like grandma might not try to completely protect her she might say well mom was not in a place to take care of you because she chose drugs over you know and if she's right. a little bit more real with her uh, then, you know, maybe she'll learn those lessons. But if grandma is like trying to like, you know, make Lindsay out to be this like martyr almost, then mm-hmm. I think it's going to be harder to really drive that message home. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it is difficult for me as someone who has never really seen the appeal of drugs mm-hmm. to be like, but I don't see the appeal of drugs. Like, why are we doing these drugs? Like, why would I? I get that people get addicted, and once they are addicted, right, then they sure. have a reason to do the drugs. But I'm my question. I was like, well, why did we start doing the drugs in the first place? That seems yeah. That does not seem fun or entertaining at all. Like, this just seems like awful. And so, and so, it's for me when I would see someone like her mom and be like, that life sucks. I'm not gonna do that. Right. And like, actually stick to that. But that's just not the way it goes most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely not. Uh, Speaking of cautionary tales, let's talk about Chance and Taylor. So Chance is playing with their son, Mason, and saying that they need a lot of money because uh, Mason's either going to be in school to be a lawyer or he's going to need a lawyer. Chance is nervous about Bobo coming to collect his money. He's the prison inmate that he uh, had that was trying to 
basically come collect last yes, episode. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a knock on the door and it's Bobby Taylor's twin. Bobby has been in rehab and she's been challenged to stay sober since. Bobby and Taylor tour the house because it seems like it's been a while since Bobby's been there. And they show the random, like, oh my God. bunk it bed structures. The worst. I mean, oh you, we can talk about it now. Or we can wait till we're done. But I have a lot to say about this house. Yeah, yeah. Let's keep going now. That we'll chance made for the girls. And Bobby yes. says she's been dating a man, Scott. Taylor is telling Bobby about their client meeting, the one where they were trying to uh, meet with the client to determine what kind of coffee table to make for their little business. And Taylor tells Bobby how suspicious Chance was behaving, and she thinks that Chance is hiding something from her. Bobby agrees that it's the whole situation was shady and that something suspicious is happening. Bobby is worried that nothing is really changing and there does, just doesn't seem to be trust between them. Taylor is questioning her future with Chance, but she's trying, you know, to make their relationship work because he's a father figure. Bobby has an announcement for everyone, and Taylor is kind of worried about the news, but Bobby announces that her and Scott are getting married. Chance says congratulations, but then almost in the same breath says that she better not get married before he gets married to Taylor. Chance is wondering why he doesn't get his happy ending. Taylor is just happy for Bobby. She's just worried about her based on her history. Taylor wants to make sure that, you know, he's the man she's dating. Scott is not another chance. Bobby jokes that they will get married before them. And Taylor says that she knows, but she's excited for her to live out that dream for her of marriage. The next day, Bobby comes over again as Chance is trying to put together a table. Scott shows up and Chance asks him if he wants to hang out. Taylor says that out of all of Bobby's exes, this guy is probably the best one. Bobby asks Scott to keep an eye out on Chance for her. Scott says he's going to keep his eye on Chance, so they're going to go hang out with Chance's friend, Zach. Taylor is getting suspicious of a car that seems to keep driving by as her and Bobby are hanging out in the front yard. Bobby asks Taylor if she thinks that Chance is going to change, and Bobby thinks that you know, her and uh, Taylor and uh, Chance are just living in chaos and debt together. Chance thinks that they need to find new ways to make money because of his situation with Bobo. So Zach is trying to tell him how much money he can make with a limo. Chance says that he's in debt by $40,000. Zach says that he'll need about 10000 to invest in this limo business. And Chance asks Scott if he wants to get in on this with him. He tells Scott vaguely that he has a lot of debt he needs to pay off fast, and he hasn't told Taylor about it, so Scott needs to also keep this to himself. Scott and Bobby don't have any secrets, so Bobby Scott says that of course he's going to tell Bobby all about this. The car that's driving by uh, Bobby and Taylor finally stops and asks Taylor where her old man is at. She says that he's not there and asks who he is. He says he's Bobbo and to tell Chance tick-tock as he speeds off. All right. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Scott actually seems like a pretty decent guy. Oh, yeah. Scott, Scott seemed pretty good. I like Scott. Yeah. But you seem to be fired up about Chance's home decor. So, oh my God. go it, for it. it. Pick a decor like what in the earth he had they had a kitchen the cabinets were one thing they had like fake marble countertops up in the sink the yeah. island was something completely different right right there's random eight by eight 
raw lumber yes. pillars just like randomly in the middle of the a house that people keep almost running into. Right. Like it's like nothing matches, nothing goes together. It's all half thought out, and it's like, of course, this is like exactly what Chance was like. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a rustic house. Does one door frame. Now we're gonna do a country house. Does one <laughs> countertop. Like that's like that's him. That's just Chance altogether yeah. as a house. And, like, I don't understand why he thinks other people should trust him. He doesn't have a portfolio of any kind. Like, his portfolio would be this house, and this house is a mess. Yes. He he has – I mean, they, they finally were like, oh, is this that room I was in? You redid the paint. Like, his – That was, like, the best compliment she had on the stuff that – yeah. Yes. Uh, everything that happened. But it was like, yeah, it's uh, – yeah, why don't, why don't people trust me? I could do a great job. It's like, well, then you have to actually show someone – a good job that you did because we literally have yet to see it. Yeah. The kids' furniture, I was like, this looks like a death trap. Like they're going to jump on their bed and like fall like on the floor. Yeah. It, I don't even know what that was. But I it was don't so either. Many, I could not there was tell. A, there was like a, may, a labyrinth maze of, of um, bunk beds and yeah. stairs and, <laughs> right. and drawers and like what is going on? And stuff is hanging from the ceiling. I'm like, this has to be a fire hazard. Like what oh is going goodness. on uh. here? Yeah, so I liked Scott, and uh, I Chance. I just felt like what a dick for being like making it about him when they were talking about the engagement. You know, you better not get married before us. Why? Why don't I get my happy ending? This is not about you, right? And it's like because you know why you can't get your happy ending because you're an like, idiot with money in the relationship. You. Do all this stuff. You're $40,000 in debt, right? And then when we get to the other part that was my favorite part is there were two things that happened at the end. And we can talk more in depth mm-hmm. about the limo as well. But when we got to the end of a limo part, right. two things happened. First of he was like, Scott, you want to enter on this? He was like, nope, absolutely right. not. Like, smart. Nope. Scott is smart. <laughs> <laughs> right? And then he's like, well, I think we should keep this from, from, from Taylor and Bobby. And he was like, nope, I'm telling Bobby. Like, yeah. nope, we don't keep secrets. Like, because when he, when Scott says we don't keep secrets, he actually means we don't keep right. secrets. Freaking Chance keeps on saying that he doesn't have secrets, but he has secrets. Like well, he, he says it told- right before. He's like, we don't have secrets, but I'm not going to tell her about this. And it's like, what do you think that, that is, is when secret. you don't tell them about it? <laughs> it literally a secret. And it's just like, this is the other guy where I'm like, get a job. Yeah. Like just any job, get a job. Like well, he can't keep a job, right? Because he had a job and then he was like goofing off or doing whatever and he got fired from the job. I guess so because, yeah, he because he can't, he can't He's not humble enough. Towards. That's part of it, I'm sure. It was, oh, oh you can't tell me. I know what I'm doing. Well, I know right. how to that- construct shit. Yeah, we have that conversation when it's like if, right. he's in, if he's installing cabinets incorrectly, he's going to be like, don't tell me what to do. I know how to install cabinets. Right. And it's like, well, now you You're did difficult it wrong to work we have with. to redo it. Get the hell out. Right. Right. But, but and then but that's it. But he always is – I could also see him doing, well, we're here to install these cabinets. And he's going to be like, well, let's take down this wall over here. And they're like, we're installing the cabinets. <laughs> what are you talking about? Because he always has this idea that he's going to do one better. I'm going to do one more. And they're all awful ideas. Yeah. The limo is an awful idea. Right, right. So many levels. Yeah. Like I was in disbelief at everything that was going on with that limo. Right. And I feel like Zach is kind of trying to pull a fast one, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Zach is like, 
found my sucker. Oh, this right. He's like, you can make 7000 a, a week. And he's like, but you would get 700 a week. Well, you right, know, it's like only, that doesn't make any sense. Well, he's only buying in because it's basically he's buying into the limo. And right. the rest of it would go to Zach, right? Yeah. The 7500 would go to Zach because he's a, actually the owner of a limo. So mm-hmm. I'll let you buy into my limo business. And then, you know, whatever you bring in, I'm taking 90% of it. You get to keep 10% of it. And there we go. But there is a good job for you, right? But there is no way, no way in wherever they are in Missouri that they are bringing in $7,500 a week in that busted ass old limo. Right. No way. Yeah. Like that is just – it was gro- – it was – there were lights that were like hanging down from the ceiling. Mm-hmm. They weren't attached. The leather seats were split. The thing is – from the 80s. And nobody uses limos anyway. Like, nobody yeah. gets limos anymore. Right. I, I'm confused how Chance has found himself in this position in the first place. Like, 40000 debt. Who is lending him that amount of money? Like, it's crazy to me to think that he had $40,000 in any line of credit. I mean, granted, it's probably not all from one line of credit. It's probably maybe his car payment. Maybe that's like 30000 of this. And maybe he's got like, you know, a $2,000 credit card here and another no, 2000 here. Yeah, but you're, that is right because I do have my, you know, I do check my credit score all the time, mm-hmm. which is a good credit score. But one thing that's keeping it down is that I have – like a distressingly close amount to $50,000 worth of credit. Yeah. (laughs) But I don't want it, but I don't need any more credit than that. So I don't ask for it. Right. But the idea of it, like the idea, the idea that you wouldn't lend me $50,000, right. But you would give it to chance is insane. (laughs) Yeah. No, because it's like, he doesn't even have job history at this point. Right. He, a job of any kind. It just, it confuses me how, Anyone would give him money and reasonably expect him to pay back unless, you know, I don't know, maybe creditors are predatory in some sense. And they're just like, well, yeah. we'll just let them borrow and just take. Them. Well, and I wonder and I wonder how much of it is in repossessable things, like how much yeah. of his debt is in that truck. Well, right? yeah, yeah. I, I mean, he wasn't even driving the truck like we saw. No, the truck. And then it was ugh. and then. He, He's such an asshole. Like he is such a dick because like the other thing I noticed is he gets in the car with Scott who has Mm a modest Hyundai, a reasonable car for somebody, the kind of car Chance should have. Yeah. Right? And Chance is like, well, I could – I got a truck. I drive 90 miles an hour down the road. That's what I have to drive in mine. I was like, shut up, dude. Yeah. He's such a one-upper on everything and like – Oh, my gosh. What are you even talking about? Like he's throwing shade at this guy's car and it's like he's driving you to your stupid limo appointment. Like let him do it. Don't make fun of his car. I know. I regret ever thinking that this dude had good energy right when he got out of prison because I remember that was my first impression of him. No, this guy is – oh, my gosh. Such a master douche. He is, but like I, I get what you say. If you, until you know all the ways he's failed to follow through on mm-hmm. literally everything he's ever said, like he sounds like he wants to do better. Like yeah. right now, it's like oh, debt. I'm trying to pay it down. It's like you will not. You will be in more debt next week. Yeah, because you're you. making stupid decisions, yeah. like trying to spend ten thousand more dollars to. Yes. And that's like his weird like mindset. I think that's gotten him in this position in the beginning. Is like he thinks that you have to spend money to make money. And, and you, you do to an extent, 
but not the way you, he's at doing some point, it. You have to actually make the money, right? Like you can't just keep spending the money, right? It's like it, you do have to spend money to make money, right? If you, there are upfront costs to starting a business, you know, people do have to take business loans. It, it, it's incredibly expensive to like do something like start a restaurant, right? Mm-hmm. Incredibly expensive. You have to go into almost everybody has to go into debt to do it, but they then have a reasonable plan to pay the money back. They put the money into an LLC. So if that fails, you know, the money goes there. And they, they have reasonable assurances that they're going to do something back. He is just like, well, if I keep going farther into debt, money will magic itself into my account. Like <laughs> yeah. if I, you have to spend money to make money. So I will just continue to spend money. Like that, then money will be made somehow. I don't know how, but it will be. Yeah. I mean, whatever happened to his power washing business, I think that's prime right? example of him spending money and his painting business, you know, not that he, but I mean, another supposed thing, he was trying to buy that power painter. It's just the power painter. And we said the same thing when he bought the power painter, right? First of all, it was, or the, the yeah, the power washer too, yeah. right? We're like, how many people need to get power washed in this small town? Like, I'll right. just do our neighbors and I'll make it. Nobody is paying you $300 every week to power wash right, your driveway, man. Right. Like, it's not happening. And the same thing here is, like, well, I'm going to get into the party business. You don't live in LA, man. You don't yeah. live in Miami. You live in Ellsbury, Missouri. There is no party business. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, parents will invest in their kids, but kids are not taking limos places. No. And if they do, they do it like for prom and yeah. that's it. Yeah, like so once, like one month out of the year. Yeah, you might get a couple of weddings, mm-hmm. but like if I paid seventy five hundred, or or even like let's let's, let's forget the seventy five hundred. We said it was eight hundred, eight hundred a pop from twelve people. Yeah, right? yeah. So it's you know it, it's what is that? Um, it was like twenty six hundred or something like mm-hmm. that, right? Something yeah. something that range. If I paid two to three thousand dollars for a night in the limo and that thing pulled up. I would be demanding a <laughs> refund. Yeah. So hard. I want – give me an Escalade and something. And that's the other thing too is like I said, no, it's pretty well known like in that industry that the actual limo business is dying. Everybody wants black SUVs. Yeah. Just drive me in a black SUV. Like bring me up in a Suburban like they do at the tell-alls. Right, like, for, right. For a 90-day. Everybody comes up in a black Suburban. Nobody comes up in a limo. Yeah, yeah. So it's just – oh, All right. So – Moving along to the last couple who maybe wasn't quite as infuriating. That's Chevelle and Quaylen. <laughs> so we do pick up at the potential wedding ver- venue where Chevelle's mom has dropped the bomb that she's not paying for any of this wedding. And she's going to sit in the front anyway. So Quaylen and Chevelle spend the rest of the time at this venue trying to hold back their respective mothers. And uh, Quaylandria keeps up – she just keeps taunting and that's when she said – you know, we heard her say last time that she doesn't fight with street people even though she's clearly trying to fight, fight with street, street people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Quaylan and Chevelle kind of in interviews are like, I didn't think it would get that bad on the first day. Uh, this might be a really long road to get to this wedding. <laughs> so when, uh, when Chevelle finally gets her mom outside of the room, she doesn't un- – she actually kind of asks mom like, I don't understand why you wouldn't pay. And so the deal is that mom is just like, no, I don't like Quaylen. I'm not going to pay for anything that is his. So anything that's sharing like this this place or the food or anything that's for both of you, anything that he gets benefit out of, I'm not paying. So I'll pay for your dress, right? But this, no. Hmm. So she Chevelle really feels like she's not being supported in this wedding, which is kind – her of, mom's kind of like, yes, because I exactly. don't support this. Yes, <laughs> sure. that's exactly what this is. So back at the house uh, – 
Javel and Quaylen are there, and they're waiting for Maila to get home from school, and she's making some fancy spaghetti. So they want to talk about they want to talk about their crazy moms and how the moms kind of seem like each other's arch nemesis. <laughs> so Quaylen knows they can't keep going without getting their moms to at least come to some sort of civil agreement of of you know just not trying to tear each other's heads off um, if they're going to ever make it to this wedding. But he doesn't he doesn't think they're rushing things, and he thinks everybody who says that they're rushing things that's just the devil work trying to stop good things that the good thing they have going on. <laughs> So once the wedding gets there, he just knows every, once the wedding happens, everybody who's been fighting them and pushing them this whole time are going to be there, happy, drinking. You know, it'll be all good times. But now that they're going to have to pay for more of the wedding, that means they're going to need to have some more money, which Quaylen is doing with his job at the barbershop. He says he's been working, cutting hair. He has a chair at the shop now. So things are going pretty well with that. So Maila, who is uh, Chevelle's daughter and is now eight, um, gets home from school and they ask her what she thinks she wants to do at the wedding. So she's like, it's always been my dream to be a flower girl. Hmm. It's like the beginning of Goodfellas. Yeah, so <laughs> she's doing that. She's like super cute this entire time. Yeah. Like just, yeah, adorable. So Quaylen asks her if she wants to go to like Adventure Park the next day, which I assume is like an amusement park thing. And that prompts Chevelle to talk about how hard it was when they first got together and then broke up. And then I think because that all happened at Adventure Park. The, remember the I Ferris do Wheel remember that. Doom, yeah. Right? And – um. Like, it was really hard on Maila, who was, like, five at the time, to have this dad come into her life and then leave her life, and they broke up, and there was cheating as a whole thing. But it turns out that, you know, Quaylen was never really all the way out of her life, and while they were broken up, he did still, from time to time, come around to see Maila, which he, which are times he also used to hook up with Chevelle, so maybe that's the reason they're back together. At the God. End of the day. So bad. <laughs> So they set up, they have this big family, nice nice family movie, which I thought was a little weird that like she walked home from school and they're like, dinner time. And I was like, is it dinner time? Don't you get home from school at like three? Like, but anyway, um, they do have dinner and Chevelle is like, well, this time if Quaylen messes up, you know, this is his last chance. Oh God, have, doubtful. It's not just going to be me that's gone. It's going to be Maila too. Um, so, I mean, so last time we kind of saw them and I feel like last time they were on the show, we did not hear from Quaylen. This is like the first time this season that we've heard from Quaylen. Do you think it's a little bit more of a legit turnaround here or do you think he's going to be still up to his same nonsense? Uh, I think they've had, what, a year apart? So he had yeah. a year to kind of get it out of the system, I think. So Yeah, that's, that's, that's scans. Yeah, that's scans. I feel like he's been able to get as crazy as he could get. Um, I think if there was kind of the right situation in terms of temptation, I wouldn't put it past Quaylen to kind of be tempted and cheat, mm -hmm. but I don't think he's going to be actively seeking it out like he was before. Yeah, that's true. It is wild how many times these guys are like, it was just temptation. It was like you... But you like were the with, one who, just like we said, with Joy and Red. Like, yeah, how you, can Red say it's temptation if he's the one calling Bestie, if he's the one asking Bestie right. to pick him up? He's right. the you one who's out, inviting you, himself to a hotel room with Bestie. Yeah, and then you're like, oh, it was just temptation. I was like, there were like 20 things that happened before right. the temptation part hit that you were yeah. actively seeking out. Yeah, so like, like he yeah. was the instigator. He wasn't the, oh, like someone threw themselves at me. Right, which 
I mean, I guess, I guess I wouldn't say never happens, but m- most of the time. Right. Very much. <laughs> yeah. Like even Bestie, like from what we saw, she was like, well, I don't know if I should say anything because you've got a girlfriend, you know? So she was like trying to somewhat keep it or at least the appearance of, right. you know, yeah. okay. But yeah, so he was definitely yeah. the instigator. So yeah. I just feel like people are like, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a long list of temptations. Like, and right. not, there's this. I saw her at the bar and she was cute. So I was tempted to go talk to her. And then I was tempted to ask for her number. Right. And then I was tempted to text her. And then I was tempted to set up a meeting. Like there's a lot of temptation here. Yeah. It's getting us there. Yeah, definitely. All right. Uh, so we did not hear from Eris and Cameron and Joy and Red. So That's right. out of the mm-hmm. group you saw this week, who would you say is your student of the week? Uh, I, I, I would have to go with Quaylen. Like, he, that see that whole family scene seemed pretty legit, and like he seemed to be on the right page with the moms. Like he wasn't like my mom was right and your mom was wrong, mm-hmm. and like we have to do what my mom says. He was like, dude, our moms are crazy, and we have to find a way to keep them both here, but keep them in line, and that's kind of the right idea of what you're trying to do with this wedding. Yeah, uh, I went with Louis. Um, I appreciated the fact that he's like, okay, this high school thing needs to stop. But also he did really well with her family, I think. And, you know, as much as I don't understand why he's being so persistent, like, I feel like this is someone that, you know, uh, has kind of demonstrated that he is stable and can can Mm -hmm. be trusted in this relationship. Yeah. So, uh, class dunce though, um, I said Michael. I did like, too. Yeah. He's, he's, whatever kind of spin he wants to put on it, like he is ditching his kids and yeah. leaving with his sister in a, in a completely different part of the country. And that's yeah. just, that's, that's messed up. Yeah, definitely. And I think the hiding it and for, mm-hmm. you know, her to find out that way, like that's right. Just- and, and he, and well, the other thing too is for, to do it the way he did it, to right. do this whole night in a hotel room because dad's back and – but he knows it's a going away party and yeah. they don't know it's a going away party, right? Yeah, With that's the matching really PJs. Shitty. Oh, God, that was awful. I hate to match. <laughs> well, you know, they always have to match. I know. They always have to match. Sometimes they drag the kids it. into it. Sometimes they And don't. I do not understand it. Like if – I because maybe it's because that's my personality mm-hmm. and I don't understand it. But I can't imagine like the fight I would have if I told my kids, well, you know, I'm going to wear this pajama or like even me and my like you know, my, my new partner, right? Like mm-hmm. with – because this is somebody that's not their mom, right? right? Oh, it's yeah, like, yeah. Oh, we're going to wear these matching PJs and we want all of you to wear them too. They would be like, no. Like, no. <laughs> no. No, dad, I'm not doing that. Well, no. I think they're a bit more cynical teen yeah, I mean, I'm a lot more cynical than <laughs> most people. They they do get it from me, for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. So what about your life lesson? Um, I mean, I feel like we've – it's a life lesson I know we've done before, but I'll go to Chance. Um, smart goals, right? Oh, um, right. <laughs> you know, strategic, specific, measurable. Uh-huh. And the most important one here is attainable, right? Right. And realistic, right? These are, these are the goals you have to set, not – because he everything he does is get rich quick. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna. I, I, I'm gonna get forty thousand dollars this weekend. And it's like, dude, if there was forty thousand dollars out to be grabbed this weekend, somebody would have snatched it up before your dumbass. Yeah. Oh yeah. Exactly. There are smarter people in the world who are trying. You know. Yeah. He is not that smart. 
He isn't. And so if, if, if it was available, it would be gone before you got to it, buddy. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, my uh, life lesson has to do with kind of breaking news. So I kind of had hinted towards this before. But I mean, how hard is it just to drop hints just to get the feelers right. out if yeah. the kids are going to, you know, struggle with this decision, right? Dropping the hints, like even to get a temperature feel, like is much better than just dropping a bomb, having no idea how they feel about it. But the the problem with that and the problem with Michael is you can do that when you see your kids all the time. Yeah. When it's been five months since you've seen your kids, I guess you can drop hints on the Zoom calls you maybe have with them. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I don't, I don't think he's doing that either. Like I, I, I did not – definitely not winning Dad of the Year awards here. Yeah, um, definitely from, not. From this family. All right. Um, so uh, we're just getting started with this group. And so we will be back again this time next week. Yep, that's right. Okay, so until then. All right, see All right. everybody then. Bye. Okay, bye. Good.